Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all the TV. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. <laughs> uh, what are we covering today? We're covering we got Falling Skies, uh, The Bridge. A cornucopia of things. Falling Skies, The Bridge. Some uh, non-TV stuff. Bridge, some non-TV stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Godfather movies towards the end. Uh, yep. Got to uh, talk about the reboot of Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon Crystal. Oh, Christ. I didn't even know that was rebooted. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Did, oh, we, we will not have an update on Halt and Catch Fire nope. this week. We probably will have another television episode next week because we've got uh, the debut of Masters of Sex this weekend premiere season two. The Strain. Also, the Strain se- series premiere. Although yep. earlier reviews of that seemed like it might be a shit show. Uh, it definitely could be. But there's like all kinds of shit shows. There's a shit shows like. Falling Skies is a little bit of a shit show. Uh, And True Blood and American (laughs) Horror Stories, but they're fun to watch and they're entertaining. And then there's shit shows that have no redeeming uh, qualities whatsoever. Uh, We'll have to see which is which. I feel like the last few trailers, because I've got a little bit of vampire fatigue. You know, I've been, (laughs) I marathon True Blood in in, uh, lead up to this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I found out The Strain was not going to be this taut biological thriller. It was going to be a vampire flick. I'm like, ah, fuck it. But these last few trailers, man, they've got this real... These are not the True Blood, Twilight, Bella Lugosi vampires. These are body horror alien type vampires. And the squick factor on that's high enough with me because, again, I'm something of a horror pussy uh, that I'm kind of back into being interested again i definitely mm-hmm. i think that this is going to start to kill me because this okay. sunday now uh-huh. i have uh the leftovers masters mm-hmm. of sex the strain and what am i leaving out uh true the, blood fucking true blood, true blood. i got four is the... hours of television coming out on thursday that are t- sunday nights yeah, yeah. that i'm covering in some fashion for the show sure and I don't get any advanced copies, unlike the Seven Walls and Green Walls and all those other guys. You need so. to pick up Falling Skies as well. Why not? <laughs> Throw that on the pile. I did. I, I caught half an episode of Falling Skies with you just now. Yeah, yeah. Want to talk about the bridge first, or do we want to talk about Falling Skies? Sure, let's talk about the bridge. The bridge is back, and it's... I haven't seen the bridge, by the way. I've not seen season one. I haven't seen the new premiere, so I'm going to be asking questions. Okay, great. The entire time. Season one, I covered as basically open threads on uh, Bald Move last year to give me something to do in between Breaking Bad and uh, Walking Dead. Or Walking Dead coming back, okay. And I thought it was going to be a really nice Breaking Bad replacement because it's set in the American Southwest. It's- yeah, so so set this show up for people who don't know anything about it because I'm almost in that camp. It's about drug smuggling in South Texas. There's that. Like right uh, on the border? It's about shit that goes down. So this was a a remake of a European show that was originally set in the border between, fuck, I want to say Sweden and Denmark. Okay. It's called Braun, and it's about this uh, murder that happens uh, on this bridge, and the uh, investigators... Murder is not what I think of when I think of the border between Sweden and Denmark, honestly. Right? <laughs> I would. I gotta go back and see this, because yeah. this show seems like it would have to transform, because... Denmark or Sweden is not as interesting as Juarez, Mexico, Certainly or not. El Paso, Texas, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe there's shit, real shit going down there. But the, the premise maybe. is, and some of this I found out is, I, I've gone, because I followed it, I was a real big fan of the bridge, 
and this backstory where you've got this El Paso, Texas, that has maybe one or two murders and serious crimes a year versus Juarez right on the border. There's a a bridge separates it where hundreds of people go missing and are murdered every year. Yeah. There's beheadings and shit. There's all towards time. At at one point you see a guy who's just tied to a telephone pole with not like 20 knives sticking out of him because the, you know, you've got um, Mexican police abducting young girls and having all night rape parties. Okay. Uh, You've got the, you've got some exploration of coyotes and how they get people across the border. You've got the drugs coming in. But the central plot yeah. is a woman is found on the bridge at the very middle, bisected. And oh, it's two boy. different women. It's the top half of a judge okay. from El Paso and the bottom half of just a missing girl. And there's a note that kind of ties this mystery of, you know, like why, you know, why is it this one way on this one side of the bridge? And why is it the other and this other side of the bridge, you know? What okay, and, and this this interesting of you've got a so, first world country bordering a third world country, and it's the only instance of that happening in the whole fucking world. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and that's a super interesting question, and it involves this um, uh, the American detective, the El Paso detective, is this uh, girl named Sonia, who's played by Dan Diane Kruger, and she is, and they never talk about it, but she's got some sort of os. Uh, autistic or Aspinger syndrome, or she's just okay. doesn't have social cues. Yeah, yeah. Um, sh- but it, you know, there's they they play some of it for comedy, but a lot of it for dramatic, uh, um, dramatic purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has this mentor relationship uh, with this character who I believe it's his name's Ted Levine. He's Buffalo Bill from uh, Silence of the Lambs. You're just uh, wow. a great, okay. great, great big fat people. Does he talk like that? Uh, yes. Oh, he sounds exactly like Ted Levine. Oh, it's a, shit. But okay. he's, he's third, like 25, yeah, yeah. 30 years older, and he's this wizened, big bu- belt buckle, big hat wearing uh, huh. police chief. He's, I think he might be a lieutenant, but he's got the head of the detectives, and he's got this special relationship with her because Sonia's sister was murdered by this guy. Uh, and this guy got, um, Ted Levine got all cowboyed up and shot this guy in the head and turned him into kind of like a vegetable. Hmm. And okay. Sonia is a person who needs to have answers to things. And she was a so young girl to wake at the time. She busts in with a gun, says, inject him, wake him up. No, no, she was, she was <laughs> not a, a cop at the time. I don't believe. Oh, okay. So she's have this weird relationship where she goes and visits this guy in this mental institution prison, and he draws these like pictures with crayons, and hmm. she's trying to get answers out of this kind of half-functioning vegetable who killed her sister. Okay, so when you say vegetable, you don't mean like Kevin Spacey and K- He's not the a K-Pax coma. vegetable. He's like half of his brain been removed okay. and not right. Gotcha. And the other thing is she wears, like, her dead sister's leather jacket. She drives her dead sister's... That's creepy. Uh, That's a little ...bronco creepy. around. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, she's this creature of habit. Uh, she's get paired up by this really fucking awesome uh, detective from Juarez who's, like, the only good cop in the whole country, yeah. apparently. The guy with the mustache? The guy with the mustache. Uh, Marco Ru- Ruiz, who's played by Damien Bashir. Okay. And he's... You want to say he's heroic, but he also does things like he cheats on his wife. Mm. He's kind of maybe an absent father. Um, you know, he's living this day. It's just, you know, cop living this dangerous lifestyle. It's corrosive to his family life, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But they get paired together. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this girl who randomly, like, uh, forgets that she hasn't taken a shower in 24 hours at the office, and Ted Levine says, you know, you kind of stink, and she just whips off her shirt in the middle of the office with her bra and puts on a new one, and, so, you know, it's like she... All right. You get these two people together and, like, how they butt heads, because he actually does feel things and is affected, and she's kind of not, and they kind of get, you know, it's like this buddy cop, mm-hmm. this weird thing. Yeah, yeah. So, lots of exciting stuff, and it's got... um Lyle Lovett. Do you remember him? <laughs> sure, yeah. Folk singer, singer, Julia yep. Roberts' ex-husband. He uh, plays this lawyer in a spaghetti uh, t- bowl. Is he Thousand Miles from Nowhere guy? I don't have no fucking clue, man. Okay. You'll know. I mean, he's got this weird face, this weird hair. He's wearing a 10-gallon hat and yeah. cowboy boots and a suit and a bolo tie. He's a lawyer, the American lawyer for Mexican cartel that represents their interests. Wow. Okay. And you see, like, all these different political things and how judges are involved. Uh, Matthew Lillard... Uh, SLC Punk, uh, Iceman from Wing Commander. That shitty baseball movie with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> oh, yes. He's a mini Freddie Prince, Prince Jr. sidekick. Uh-huh. He plays an he awesome... He was in 13 Ghosts, too. Good, yeah, good he was. Guys. Yeah. And he's aged into this like crazy... He's he's a uh, reporter mm-hmm. who works for the El, pa- El Paso Times, and he's got a drug and alcohol problem, and he's also okay. haunted by an, you, the experiences that they use flashbacks to reveal all the backstories of these characters. Uh-huh. It's super interesting. His most famous role, though, my favorite of his, has got to be Hackers. I mean, it's, it's oh, just shit, a, he was in a Hackers phenomenal too. role. <laughs> yeah, he was, and he played a, a weirdo. Well, As he, he plays, always does. He plays a weirdo here, and he's really interesting, and he, he works with uh, this other girl who commutes from Juarez every day, Emily Rios, which you might know as Jesse's girlfriend from Breaking Bad. Okay, definitely. Andrea? Uh, yes. Yeah. So there's all this stuff. This is good stuff. This is You put it in the soup. The problem is the main course, which was this body found on the bridge, turns out to be this elaborate and bizarre serial killer, Joker-esque plot involving... Uh, Marco, that just gets increasingly off the rails until hmm. it gets solved with like two episodes. It's almost like that this, this the series realizes it's cratering and it pulls out with two episodes to go and kind of says, "Okay, well we fucked up with the serial killer plot." Mm-hmm. Season two is going to be more about like the weirdness of the border. It's going to be the, about the disappeared girls. One of the uh, in- just a larger plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. uh Emily's character, uh, Adriana, I believe is her name. She, one of her sisters, is abducted. Okay. To like directly tie this together, and now she's like super committed and like going to Matthew Littered. Like you can't fuck around. Like if we're we have to bring pressure from the American side to get this thing going. So you got that going into season two that they're going to get back to the roots about why you know the fucked up things about this border town, the two border towns. Yeah, we need to fix these and the, this the two worlds. And there's it's just. Huh. Great characters on the Mexican cartel side. Um, great characters on the American enforcement. They've introduced a lot of new people in the second, in the first episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Parker Lewis saves the day? No. There's this giant man that pl- that played the subverbal like Neanderthal called, and his name was Kubiak. Okay, he's like Hulk Smash type of guy. Uh-huh. I haven't seen him since Parker Lewis can't lose. He plays the new DEA agent. Uh, we've got a new, uh, a new Mexican, I think a new, I forget, is it a new American president or a new Mexican president? Either way, the Americans are pissed because they've had three years and millions and millions of dollars with these cooperation with the Mexican police to try to crack, crack down on these cartels. And uh-huh. now the Mexicans are like, you know what? Don't call us, we'll call you. 
trying to cut the DEA guys out. That is hmm. a, a problem. Um, there, there is a bunch of bloodbath in the cartels, and that continues. They send. Do you know Franca Potente? I think is how you pronounce her mm. name. No, I Run Lola Run. She was Dame, uh, Matt Damon's girlfriend in the first uh, uh, Jason Bourne. She's got a really okay. distinctly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So she, that's the one where she was driving him around Paris, right? Or exactly. Paris. Okay. She plays this. Seemed like a very buttoned-down fundamentalist Christian from Juarez, uh, mm-hmm. who's escorted by this almost mute, menacing uh, Latino guy, and she's going around and like settling. Like, there's this. She meets with this a president of a bank who apparently fucked up a sixty million dollar wire transfer, and mm-hmm. so okay. an ear gets cut off. <laughs> later, that's later on, you, you find her like covered in blood, and it's in the middle of the night, and she's trying. She's naked and hosing herself down in a uh, car wash. One of those like little self sure. self car wash. Yeah. Um and Marco, because of the resolution his uh in the series I'm trying not to spoil too much for people to want to go back and, and catch this. Hmm. But he's suffering a lot of trauma from the end of the serial killer campaign, and he's kind of like uh holed up in a bottle. Uh, because he's the one good cop, he's found out that some of his men are – like they did a – they open up with this badass drug raid where they're all kitted up like ninjas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're 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 storming in there and getting drugs and money. One of the guys, his fellow SWAT team, takes a shot at him. Oh, all right. Sure. Uh, but they're all wearing masks, so he can't tell. So now he's got this paranoia that – Oh, boy. That the boss warned him that if he doesn't mm-hmm. quit fucking around and pushing against these cartels, it's going to go bad for him. Now this is starting to, to happen um, but huh. there's some intrigue because it seems like there's a straight laced prosecutor that's uh, ch- that's been appointed to the Chihuahua State, okay. and he is uh, now uh, working with uh, uh, Marco to kind of like go through the cases and sift through some dirt, which his boss seems like he's corrupt as hell. And I even talked about some of the more interesting. Like there's this you think he's a coyote, he's this really weird uh, guy named Stephen Linder who kind of talks like he's sling blade and but you find out that you think he's kidnapping women and killing them but he's actually hustling troubled women across the border and taking them to this like born again christians compound where he protects them and looks after them till they can get back on their feet okay uh again it's how real... much does this deal with the political issues around that particular area of the border between... it's interesting because these questions are asked, yeah. but they're asked by and they're seen through the eyes of these low-level detectives and newspaper reporters. Okay, but now we're actually seeing like the head of the DEA meeting with the governor of Chihuahua. I think uh, what? Okay. that's the state of Mexico that Juarez, that Juarez is in. Okay, I did not know that. I know, it and it's very confusing. Right? It, well, it's no, it's just very confusing. Okay, I, I don't know what the word Chihuahua means. I don't know, but so, I think small. Uh, sure, uh, you know epileptic dog when i think of chihuahua yeah pretty much but outside of that i have no context for it so um and hell i could be pronouncing it wrong that's what i heard um it's chihuahua chihuahua <laughs> chapulte polte uh but so anyway it's super interesting and if they can tell this story without going down another serial killer plot mm, yeah, you yeah. Know, a too clever by half ticking time bombs crazy ass uh you know, saw type murder traps. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a really hot show. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm super curious about it. I just haven't, uh, I, I got like halfway through season one and was like, well, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm probably not going to 
go through and catch up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said I could probably start on season two, but it just aired last night, and uh, I was <laughs> I was watching The Godfather for some reason. Well, put a pin in The Godfather. We'll talk I will about say, later. Yeah, but... So people ask me, on, is this worth show worth watching? Uh-huh. And I there's some shows that I'm like, you got to at least try. Yeah, you got to try Mad Men. You got to try Breaking Bad. Uh, you got to try. Got to try Mad Men more than once. <laughs> if you're Jim Jones, you got you got to get in on. I mean, there's some things like uh, Boardwalk Empire, un un unhesitating res- uh, recommendation. Mm-hmm. Other things like Justified, Walking Dead, The Bridge, where I'm like, I got to know more about you before I know if this is going to hook you. Yeah. Like it's got the look and feel and some of the action of Breaking Bad, but it's got some of the crime procedural stuff of Justified. It doesn't have any of Justified's like humor. Or so charisma. Gonna, that's what I was going to ask when you when you said like comparing it to Breaking Bad. I was like, Breaking Bad has quite a bit of humor in it. it does this show have any humor, or is it if it's super it's, serious? It's the only humor comes from like Matthew Lillard because he is okay. A, okay. All right, that's he's a world weary, <laughs> yeah, uh, addled alcoholic wise ass. That sounds right. Um, I think he's just playing himself in this. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, his eyes are especially googly, and he's walking with a limp, <laughs> no, and there's yep. all this other stuff. Yep. Uh, so I I hope in the last 15 minutes I've given you enough to where you're either in your out. I will say that this is very much like Justified. Mm-hmm. Don't worry if you didn't see the first season because okay. the main plot is completely truncated. Mm-hmm. Watch the, the previously for the first episode and just jump in because okay. uh, – you, I think you'll be able to figure things out as yeah. they go. As they go, I wasn't sold until I knew Matthew Lillard was in it. Probably so now I'm sold. And there's a who's who, like uh, who's the dot, dopey dude, uh, almost retarded guy on The Office. Uh, Is it Kevin? Kevin. Kevin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He plays Matthew Lillard's AA sponsor. All right, but all right. he's not like Kevin at all. Sign me up. Uh, <laughs> Except for he does wear a Rush shirt, and Matthew Lillard gives him shit throughout this whole scene for being a Rush fan. He's like, "Yeah, oh well, tomorrow I'll still be an alcohol. I'll tomorrow I'll be sober, and you'll be a Rush, still be a Rush fan." Wow. Uh, but no, there is some humor coming from that. But no, it's it's dark and it's super okay. fucking violent too. All right. Like it's I I don't I mean until they dissolve someone in a acid bath, I'm not super worried about it. Mm. I don't know. It's, like my, said, it's, it's my not going to put you level. off. You're a gore hound. If you're yeah, yeah. walking, you'll be fine if you've seen Walking Dead or any of those things. But if you're like a sure. Mad Men fan, <laughs> you know Lyle Lovett's the first scene is Lyle Lovett coming into this condo and he just almost slips on this giant pool of blood. There's just body parts nice. everywhere and dripping on his hat, <laughs> and it's like three dimensional gore fest. Sweet. But uh, the other thing is, if you do go back to watch season season one, mm-hmm. Diane Kruger's portrayal of Sonya is going to bug the shit out of you for two or three episodes. And it seems okay. like that either you get it, you get used to the way she is, mm-hmm. um, or they tone her down enough to where, you know, it's just a little less jarring, but she is a yeah, lot yeah. to handle. And, but it's intentional. I think you're supposed to be irritated with this person that has no social graces. Sure. No ability yeah. to empathize with people, or at least not in the way that you would normally. And she like, kind of wigs out sometimes. But um, Yeah, I know in the past you've compared her to uh, Claire Dane's character in Homeland as far as uh, going crazy, right? Um, yeah, I would say that Claire is maybe less sympathetic, Claire Dane's character, Carrie, uh-huh. because Carrie can empathize with people, where exactly, Sonya just yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. So, That's kind of where I was going with that. It's like... 
you know, um, not to be too insensitive, but sometimes when you're out and just minding your own business and um, a, a a person like Sonya would just start talking to you and like mm-hmm. your first reaction is, oh, shit. <laughs> Cause I this... maybe your first reaction is oh shit, a rod. <laughs> no, this is just going to be a uncomfortable, difficult social interaction. Mm-hmm. But you're a good person, so you just get you gamely go with it. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's what the first three episodes are like with her. Okay, all right. So... Well, I'll, I'll probably check it out. Um, I, I'm curious to see. Like, I, they do. I would assume a fair amount of character building in season one. Sure. I'm hoping I don't get thrown into the deep end on characters like the one you just talked about. I don't think I they're, don't they're cause at this point they're kind of archetypes, you know, Marco is the wounded world weary cop. Okay. Uh, Matthew Lillard's the, the drunk trying to recover. sober uh, uh, professional that now has a cause. Um, mm-hmm. Sonia is, is Sonia. Um, Ted Levine is the mentor role. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all pretty, and again, since the overarching plot of season one is dealt with, I feel like it's as, it's kind of like the new chapter in a movie or a, a sequel to a movie. Okay. Do you really need to see Star Wars to appreciate Empire Strikes Back? And I'm hoping that's a good comparison because I'm hoping all right. if you take all the good stuff from season one, add some more good stuff, and take away the kind of clunker of the, the heart, the engine of the series, and replace it with something more interesting, uh-huh. then you you got it. Also, there's a new the showrunner regime change. There was... Oh, uh, boy. I forget. AMC the, loves to do that. Uh, this is FX. Oh, it is? So, okay. yeah. Why was I under the impression that it was AMC? I hmm. don't know. Maybe because I compared it... Because it, I talked about it leading up from... Um, uh, Walking Dead and Breaking Bad? Yeah. <laughs> But the showrunners were two people that collaborated on Homeland. Okay. And some of the worst shit with the serial killer was kind of laid at the woman who was for the Homeland showrunner. Okay. She went back to Homeland this season and left this guy alone who he was – and he's saying in a lot of interviews that, like, I really am interested in the political and cultural questions about yeah, this. Yeah. And I was never That's on board. way more what I'm interested in here. So he it, he's saying all the right things. And also Homeland fans are excited because I guess since she left the last season – you know, I saw the last season. Did you see the last season? Of – Homeland was Homeland? either really, no. really huh. good or it was terrible. I saw the first season, and I haven't checked out the rest. And, and se- season three, like season one and season two, there's a little bit of unevenness. But season mm. three was either really excellent or terrible. Okay. And I feel like if you get this showrunner that's going to bring it back to its roots, they got kind of more or less a clean slate with how they're going to run it. I'm very interested yeah. to see how season four goes. But it might be one of these things where you, you it's addition by subtraction. This woman who wants to tell this other type of story is no longer going to be button heads with this guy who wants to tell another one. Sure, sure. And we can have a pure product here, and Homeland can go back to being Homeland. I'm pretty excited. That's okay. all I got to say about the bridge. Cool. Why don't we talk about Falling Skies? Let's do it. How about that? Uh, we just watched season four, episode three, Exodus. I think. I thought it was. I, wa- I when I walked in because I had to, to take a phone call, and you were going to watch that while I was doing that. I walked in. I thought we were watching American Gladiators. Pretty much. I mean, they're firing tennis balls. Some out of guy cannons. wearing a big foam helmets, uh-huh. and guys are firing tennis balls. At... If there had been a gladiator on top of that post waiting to smack if him Blaise back down, and or Nitro was up there with a Q-tip <laughs> smacking him down, I'd be like, "Fuck it, we're watching American Gladiators." Did yep. you know they're bringing it back? 
Again? They had two seasons a couple years yeah, back yeah. where they brought, brought so it back. I, I watched every single second of those. <laughs> I, I watched a, an embarrassing amount. Yeah, yeah. I loved that shit. I loved that as a kid. They're bringing it, they're, they're bringing it back. Awesome. And I hope the gladiators are ruthless. Dude, me too. Because that's what I like to see. I like to see people who think they're hot shit yeah. getting smashed to the ground by gladiators. That was the problem. The first gladiators was mm-hmm. a little underwear model-y. Okay, yeah. I mean, they Fitness were big model. dudes. They had MMA no fighters and shit in the, oh, the, the, the reboot of the American Gladiators. They were hurting fools. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see, really. Yeah, same here. Just average uh, Joe's getting smacked down. Uh, so we just watched this episode. Uh, the the shit with the Asfini and the humans is heating up. There's you know a camp where Noah Wiley and his band of survivors is... Uh, imprisoned. Basically, yeah, imprisoned and trying to escape... I don't understand. So last episode, they took Tom, who is Noah Wiley, up to the big ship that's been floating above. And they kind of laid out their plan. They said, look, we're trying to create a front line of, of warriors here by hybridizing humans and the Asfini race. So the Asfini are on the human side? No. They're not? Well, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, according to them, yes, they are. They're uh, they're trying to protect. Are they spinning you know, the bad sector. guys? Are they the skitters? Yes. Are all the aliens well, bad guys? Okay, so there are several. I don't, I don't even know what you would call them. Classes of okay. Asfini. Uh, the, the real Asfini, the ones leading this whole invasion, are these really tall, slender aliens who okay. are are very rarely shown. Actually, right. Um, they have been a lot more in this new season. I've seen them. They're the willowy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of the cloners from Star Trek minus the long, or Star Wars exactly. minus the long neck. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's what the Asfini look like. Then they have this kind of subclass of skitters, which are kind of like spider creatures. They're with... the warrior race. Yeah, yeah. The workers, the, the warriors. The Hadar, if you will. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so Wayun in this episode <laughs> basically takes Tom up to the ship and lays out the plan. We're creating a hybrid race. Um. Tom has caused all sorts of trouble. I mean, he's basically been leading the charge against the Asfini. He's like, I don't know. If if you're fighting, okay, let's use this in Game of Thrones terms, right? Okay. Like, so you're Mance Raider, and you're coming to the wall, and Jon Snow is the guy who's been fucking with you. Okay. When Jon Snow rolls up, do you tell him your plan and hope that he'll go along with it? Which the plan here, by the way, involves the extermination. Or not the extermination, but the extermination of the way of these people's lives. Well, you're talking about blending humans in this other alien race, which effectively exterminates humans as we know it, right? Is it does, but they've got work camps for humans, and they're they're not blending everyone. What they're doing is trying to create a defensive force to apparently stop some other alien race that is trying to exterminate them. Okay. Uh, so they're trying to mesh with other species to see if they can create a super super race or something. Um, so basically, if Mance Raider were to kill Jon Snow there, the wall effectively falls, right? Sure. They refuse to do that with Tom here, uh, even though time and time again, they've done the exact same thing. They've taken him in. They've said, here's our plan. And he, every time he uses that against them, I, I don't know why they leave him alive. Well, why are they... It's like the Bond villain te- it totally monologuing, yeah. except for they're not putting him in a fatal trap. Why do they sure. let him? Or does he escape each time? No. So what they did this time is they want to use him, which is a terrible idea. They want to use him to turn the rest of the humans in that camp to their side. 
which is mind-blowingly dumb. I mean, the <laughs> the you you can't turn the leader of this rebellion. I mean, he's got the most ideological re- reasons to continue the fight. And even right? and I'm thinking from a human perspective, as your leader does come back and go, "Hey, hey, I just came back from an enemy, mm-hmm. got a really sweet deal." Sure. I guess that's how wars end. But your first yeah, reaction yeah. is going to be, fuck you, he's been co-opted. This isn't, you know, I I, I don't know that it <laughs> works that, that that way. But on the other yeah, hand, I, that is how wars end. You beat someone down hard enough, you co-opt the leadership, and you get him to take back the deal. Sure, and sure. The same and, re- and yeah. convince the people to stop fighting. I, I don't know why they don't just kill Tom, though, because he's obviously resistant. They've done this many times. That's the he's thing. He's obviously that's... resistant to it. They should kill him, get someone in charge who is going to be more open to their ideas all right uh so you know aliens making huge huge mistakes here okay um what did you think of the effects because you hadn't seen this before, the effects right? are good the effects okay. are not the show's problem not, i'm not saying certainly. what the show's problem is because i've seen half an episode of season four yeah yeah but no i thought the effects were by and large there's a little bit of the when the dragonfly was swarm i think it was a dragonfly swarming <laughs> around the american glider guy where maybe sure. there was some weird compositing yeah yeah um, funny enough, I thought the cheesiest looking thing was the energy fence, which you'd think would be a much oh, easier. Okay, and it just looked like green lasers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I think the the ship that's floating above the giant one is kind of cheesy looking sometimes. Yeah. Um, just the way it moves more than mm. the way it looks. But the actual effects of the skitters and the other yeah, alien, yeah. like the Volm, I think you said they were more humanoid. The Volm, yeah, Cochise, who's helping. Tom and the humans. The other, but no, I don't think that's that's at all this show's problem. It's definitely got yeah. the effects to to believably carry the story forward. Sure, sure. And, and the set designs are good. You were saying, you know, this rubble city is kind of awesome. Yeah, they, I mean, they shouldn't couldn't have built that for the budget they've got, right? That that has to be some. I guess. I mean, there's tons of places in North America and Canada that are all kind of bullshit and. Yeah, go to sh- Detroit and. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll find a place to shoot that show. Yeah, you, know, you can find abandoned malls and factories. As, yeah, you know, yeah, all day long till the cows come home in America. Sure. Um, and this is kind of the the city that they were in before. Uh, they, they they've been back to this city uh, a couple of times now, so they're reusing sets there. Uh, I, I don't know that. There's another plot with Lexi, who is the first of the hybrid race. Um, and she's kind of been this almost cult leader, uh, almost an unwilling cult leader. Like she did something and a cult kind of sprung up around her, not necessarily because she wanted it to, but because it just did. Gotcha. Uh, and you know, she's embraced it. I mean, she certainly views herself as the leader of these people in a way. It's a plot of Monty Python's Life of Brian, basically. Uh, kinda. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Um, she has no tablets. I don't think she's got those. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, this is one of the, the weirder storylines to me. I can't tell, I guess this episode is trying to tell me that Maggie, who is Tom's son, Hal's ex, or, or they've just been separated. Maybe they still are boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know. Okay. Uh, she was pretending for a while to be in this cult. And then when Ben, who is one of Tom's other sons, uh, and he kind of has superpowers too. Came and like tried to convince her that this is not the right thing. She How does Tom flipped. have 
superpowers. Tom does not have superpowers. Oh, uh, Ben, who his who is his son, has superpowers because he was harnessed with the. Did you see? No, we you talked about this last time that they've got this mind control thing. Yeah, that they strap to to children. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think it's exclusively children. I don't think I've seen an adult strapped with one of those. Uh, and when I say children, it's that's loose, like up to sure. twenty or so. Okay, right. Uh, but so he was strapped with one of those, and it gave him some abilities. Hmm. Uh, super strength. Interesting. Um, the ability to heal—I can't remember exactly. They haven't gone to that well very often. Okay. This season. Um, so I mean, those are kind of the two plots, main plot threads going on in the show. I I continue to laugh and scoff and enjoy the show <laughs> sure it's a weird it's almost like they've taken a hybrid approach to this show like let's make it kind of cheesy but let's have these undertones running through it like i cannot get over how good some of this underdog humanity stuff is uh and and tom himself being this historian character he was a professor at a college teaching history before this and all of that knowledge is what he's using to fight against mm-hmm. the the Asfini right. here. And that stuff uh, comes into play very heavily this time with his ambush. He's talking about Geronimo and Guadalupe and the Mexican army. Uh, and that's basically him, what went him down Is him jumping there. off that building, is that explicitly Geronimo reference? Uh, maybe. I, and here's, here's, I don't know. Here's yeah. how culturally idiot I am. I know Geronimo, only that he was a famous Indian chief, uh-huh. and that for whatever reason... What us kids used to jump off of things, or you know, sure. we used to say Geronimo. Uh huh. And I feel like that's like something that came from military watching war films where people jump out of airplanes, or maybe even cartoons, which probably racist as hell. So, sure. is did Geronimo jump off a fucking cliff to avoid uh, cavalry charge or something? Not, not because no, specifically Wiley. a cliff. Okay. Uh, so he tells the story. He okay. tells the full story of Geronimo in this, and I, I caught. Large chunks of it, I guess. Not all of it. But Geronimo was, like you said, a Native American chief. He goes into this uh, this town of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. I guess, in Mexico. Um, and he assassinates somebody. Okay. And he baits... And, and then he walks back out into the desert. And he baits these these this military to follow him. Okay. And then once they get out into the desert, it is an ambush. Uh, the, the Mexican army is slaughtered. And uh, Geronimo stands up on this rock mm-hmm. and looks over the the piles of dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know for what reason, mm-hmm. but he doesn't jump off the rock. He doesn't okay. do anything crazy. He doesn't say his own. He doesn't it's, say my own name and jump n- off. No, no, no. It's more. <laughs> it's more of just a a trap story, a story huh. of an ambush and a and a bait. So how does Noah Wiley get out of this? Because we both were like, the yeah. fuck? He jumped off like a 18, 19, 20-story building. Yeah. There is a river, but it's like 100 yards to the side. It's very far away from the building, and it, he's very high up. Yeah. And even if he were to land in the water, That's which not might not be possible. guaranteed safe. It's more than likely not safe. But this guy, okay, how strong are his character shields? Because that's Super my question. Super strong. Okay, he's so been there since day one. I was just wondering if they were going to pull, you know, and and like kill him. No, they won't kill him. Because of Walking Dead, I like guarantee Rick it. Grimes has strong character shields. Uh-huh. Would not surprise me if he dies in any upcoming season. Because that's the sure. kind of show it is. I wasn't sure yeah. if Falling no, Sky is the same. He is wearing the Faraday suit on this show. I mean, okay. <laughs> there is and no he has way, way more he than dies. ninety seconds. 
he's got 90 episodes. Okay. Like, yeah, way more. Gotcha. Um, the other kind of subplot uh, that's been going on for seasons now since they met up with him is Pope. And Pope has kind of been the rebel and sowing dissent and just being a general jackass, causing trouble, working against Tom uh, in some ways. I mean, they've had moments where they've come together and they've, they've seen eye to eye and helped each other. I want to say that this episode is finally going to make Pope a good, uh, actual good guy. Yeah. Because he's the one when he's like the guy breaks type, his hand. Right? From the law, laws? Yes, very much okay. like Sawyer. Uh, when when Dingo, as they're calling him, I guess, or as Pope is calling him, uh-huh. uh, breaks his hand here, Pope straps on the suit. Uh, right after a scene where Tom says, I don't trust you because you're trying to tear people apart. Sure. Just like you're doing right now, because he was complaining about the plan and how it's not good and how it's yeah. stupid and going to fail. Uh, so at the end of this episode, he's the one who finally comes through Saves the day, makes the plan go off, um, and then Tom and him have a scene at the end where he's like, you need to start trusting me, because mm. I'm a good guy. He said that before. I, they've, right. they've done this before, but this, this, this time it felt like maybe... Has he done an overtly self-sacrifice? I mean, I thought the man, the man might die. We were speculating on maybe he'd yeah. die, and he'd fling the backpack at this thing that they're uh-huh. trying to blow up to take down the shields. Um, what's going on with the old man... Uh, Weaver, I guess the he's guy with the hat, frequently wearing a beret or whatever. A beret? Maybe he's not a beret. He's the he's the old grizzled military guy. Yeah, Weaver, the guy from Armageddon, right? Yes. Okay. He saw and something like a creature skittering around. Mm, yeah, yeah. At, at the, the end of the episode, end. where you know, staking out these humans, it seemed like they just they're still you know. They, I feel like they, at any time they aliens can just come and round them up again. They're out in the open. They're burning yeah. fires. It's weird. So they showed a lot more of the skitters last episode because they were kind of all congregating in this little cubby hole, mm-hmm. and probably twenty five of them poured out of the thing. Uh, this time, it seems like there were only four. Right, three that Tom killed with the uh, the building coming down, and then one that was following the other group of survivors. I don't know if that's a lone skitter who's huh. just following them and is going to report back. It seems right. like that might be the case. Right. Which, But they have fucking so, spaceships fine. and shit. Like, they should have yeah. at least as good of satellite surveillance as we do. That, that's the that's so, the one problem I no, would no, no, have. No. So it's, it's weird, because last season was all about the the scarcity of these Asfini forces. Okay. So, yes, they're super powerful, but there aren't very many of them. And what they were trying to do is erect this planetary force field, mm. which would keep any of the Volm from getting there and stopping them until reinforcements could show up. Okay. Because the invasion force is just like an initial a sure. probing action sort okay. of thing, and it just happened to be super successful, and they fucked us. <laughs> uh, so there aren't very many of the Asfini well, out ta- there. They need to get Tom Cruise, an immortal Tom Cruise in Groundhog Day to fight these guys off, obviously. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't either. Oh, okay. But, I, but I've seen the trailer. Sure. So. Anything else you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, I'm still I'm still enjoying it, and I'll, I'll continue to watch it. Because uh, I was uh, got on the wiki, and as you know, I'm a lore whore. 
Okay. And I'm just like absorbing this shit, like all these different alien races and factions and technology, and like I get off on that shit. Sure, I can see myself enjoying it. I think it's a little too late for me to start right now. Well, it's all I got. So okay. many other theories I on my list. I want to say it's all slightly less interesting than the vision you have in your head. <laughs> then the rabid fanboys make it seem like on the Wikipedia when you distill four yes. seasons into a single page of breathless prose. Yeah, all all slightly less interesting. Shocking, absolutely <laughs> shocking. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? I've got a couple topics, um, and this is like I feel like it's going to get decreasingly less interesting to people. Okay, that's yeah. cool, perfect. If it's just me and Jim talking to the end of that, it's what we do anyway. So whatever. Well, that's how I like it. I want the podcast to get less and less interesting. Uh, Sailor Moon Crystal already completely less interesting, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some observations on Hulu, which I haven't actually Hulu right. Plus, which I haven't actually tried. Also. Uh, I've got had a change in heart about how I feel about The Godfather versus Godfather 2. Oh, I think I've said on the right. podcast several times, I don't understand why people think a lot of times they're saying Godfather 2 is to Godfather the way Empire Strikes Back is to Star Wars. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's horseshit. So this Star is... Wars is good. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is so much better obviously. on every level. Yeah. Um, taking nothing away from Star Wars, it just is. Yeah. I felt the opposite. I felt like Godfather is sublime. Godfather 2 is yeah. kind of messy and muddy and didn't know where it's going. This weekend, it was doing their HBO was like marathon and that shit. Uh, I got sucked in, and I feel like this is probably the fifth time I've seen, maybe the fourth time I've seen wow. okay. uh, The Godfather 2. I finally get it. I'm finally starting to see why people prefer mm-hmm. The Godfather 2 to Godfather 1. Now, it might be just because I've seen The Godfather probably 12 to 13 times. Yeah, I think I've now seen it three times, and... And, and that's still, it's just as this watchable. Is, this is a perfect time to have this discussion because last night I watched Godfather, stayed up late. Godfather. It just happened to be on HBO, and I was like, yep, let's do this. I, know I was talking to my girlfriend, and, you know, it was restarting. And I'm like, you've got to get my ass off this couch, or I will sit and watch The Godfather <laughs> again. The Godfather this is a masterpiece of melt. cinema. It is. It's the. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen everything on the AFI Top 100. Sure, sure. But I got to say that. It's got to be one of the best films ever made, ever. I, I and that's completely not a, agree with that. That's not a controversial opinion, too. I mean, I feel I don't like... I think so, but, I mean, people... I think, you know, it's easy to forget that. There's so many movies coming out on a daily basis. Sure. A lot of them are good. A lot of them, you know, are great. But to just really look at The Godfather as as a piece of film is it's incredible it's number two on the afi top 100 right right? behind citizen of course (laughs) and the thing is citizen kane is i'm not even sure it's a better movie i've never seen it jesus christ jim yeah but it pioneers so many techniques modern techniques back in the 40s that we now take for granted it's like one of the arguably first modern movies made so okay. I think it gets sure. kind of like that massive amount of cred. And it should. I think it should for that. Um, it's debatable whether you go for absolute is. quality or you kind of grade on a curve of, you yeah. know, we have the same discussion about video games, television shows, everything. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And, but I think it's it's really interesting that The Godfather kind of goes in the opposite direction for me. It takes a lot of the modern stuff with the faster cuts um, and yeah. the, the shorter scenes and not lingering and just moving on with the pacing it does the opposite, mm-hmm. and it works on every every scene. Like, because I, I remember I watched it for the first time. I'd seen it a bunch of times. I've been like up your ass to see it, and we finally sat down and watched it one day. Yeah, and we were, and you were just like absorbed. I'm like, do you realize we just saw 
a five minute scene <laughs> of a guy doing a monologue, and the, the only camera move is to go from a medium wide shot to an extreme in. close up to this guy's face, and you yeah. can't fucking tear your eyes away from it. Yeah, it's absolutely mesmerizing, and I, I mean, I I remember distinctly thinking the scene in the hospital where he's protecting his father sure. is just. Uh, astoundingly executed. Sure. I, uh, hearing the footsteps of the people coming in to potentially kill his father yeah. while he's pushing his father into a different room to try and hide him, it's it's absolutely masterful. And if we if you listen to the commentary, which the I encourage you there. to do, there was like genius filmmakers working on this. Like George Lucas yeah, yeah. was just yeah, helping editing. him out on the yeah. edits and stuff. He's like, you know, there's not a lot of tension in this hospital scene. So yeah. he went and got like a couple of seconds worth of like just corridor shots yeah. and just loop them. So uh, there's this like 10 seconds now of footsteps on this corridor and then down another corridor. It's so tense. And George, you know, George Lucas is George Lucas, but sure. the man used to know how to make a fucking awesome visual film. Yeah. And I think he helped out uh, Coppola there quite a bit. Or Coppola? For sure. Coppola? Uh, sure. Francis Ford. I say Coppola. Okay, I Coppola. I don't know how to say I'll go exactly. with that because you're smarter about pronunciation than me. Okay. So we all know why Godfather. So I, I kind of want to talk about... One other thing. Okay. One other thing before we leave The Godfather, because I just saw it, and it's such a good okay. movie. Uh, there's there's the scene after he kills the five heads of the families mm-hmm. where... Settles all family business. His his sister, I think, runs in. Connie, yep. Uh, and is, like, freaked out about the whole thing. And sure. she's she's chattering with uh, maybe his wife at that time. I, right. I can't remember. Uh, Kate. Yeah, uh, and during the, the way, first two minutes of that scene, you don't give a shit about the conversation. You're hearing it, but uh-huh. the camera is stuck yeah. on Al Pacino, uh-huh. and it's pushing in uh-huh. super slowly between these people who you can see like their chins moving. You can yeah. see like a silhouette. Uh-huh. They're blurry. Right. Doesn't care. Right. Al Pacino. Let's look at him, sure. and it's just a fucking beautiful shot. So I will say that I think Diane Keaton is the weak point. She's like the uh, she's the uh, one kind of sore thumb that character and Michael's infatuation with her and her performance just it's the one thing yeah. that I always see is like God damn God fucking Kate's on the screen again <laughs> like even the big climax in Godfather Two about there wasn't a Barson Michael it was a I sp- guess I don't understand why he loves Kate so much I because when you see Apollonia here's the thing I question whether he does. You you could be right, yeah. Apollonia died. That's the person he really and that, that's, yeah. that's the and you Godfather's see the wife, right? That's that, and you see like you know the Godfather's wife, um, Vito's wife when she was young, and now yeah. she is kind of a firebrand still when she's old, mm-hmm. um, and she's just just like amazing, impressive Italian American woman. Yeah, that's not Kate. That was Apollonia. Apollonia died. Yeah, yeah. Now he's coming Second back, and it's, it's kind of like he's. I, I it's it did felt like he was settling and she never was comfortable with that lifestyle and yeah, it he, felt almost like he was following through with the promise that he made and he did want I do believe that family means a lot to him it <laughs> the Obviously. only thing that matters in the show is family yeah, but that's what's so fucked up movie. and that's why I think Godfather Two is brilliant because it takes that you know everything that was important to him and his father and turns it on its head yeah. Um, you know, I sh- hope that God don't accuse me of spoilers here, but like, you know, murdering Fredo. You can't spoil uh, a 40 year old movie, man. <laughs> written, you know, ripping apart his family and the fact that his his wife got an abortion. I mean, these things are all 
why is he fighting for? Why does he? What does he fought? What has he made all these sacrifices for? Sure. And I, mean, I think the, that's the yeah. last scene of the movie. So brilliant when it flashes yes. back to the family being together at this at this dinner. I think it's the God, the old Godfather's birthday, and Fredo's still alive, and Sonny's still alive, and you see yeah, yeah. Uh, Connie get involved with the abusive jackass husband, and she later marries, and everybody's happy. And Michael's like, "No, I I, I want to go to war. I want to serve my country. I don't think it's family above everything." Yeah, yeah. And then it flashes back to him sitting on that park bench overlooking you know, the, the lake in Nevada. And he's just sitting there again for like 60 seconds. You're just, what the hell is he thinking? Uh-huh. Was this worth it? What does he have? Um, and, and it's, it comes from, it all stems from the first movie as well. So it compounds on top of that. Sure. Right. I mean, the, the ending, I, which I never understood before last night, uh, of Godfather is very, very weighty. Um, as far as, you in know, the way? decisions that Michael has had to make, um, oh, yeah. the, the, it, I mean, there's a scene with Vito and Michael in the garden, uh, and he's telling him, I wanted to do things right. I wanted to get our family to a position of security. There just wasn't enough time. And, and it's not like I just had too much shit going on. It's mm-hmm. like, I did everything I could. I made the wheels move as fast as possible. There just wasn't enough time in my life. And that is astoundingly weighty considering the following scene with the orange peels where sure. he dies in the garden. And he's also kind of losing. You can already tell because he's kind of repeating himself. He's already losing yeah. and he's aware of that. Uh-huh. I think that's it's, – It's extremely sad. Any Anyone that's exceptional at anything has to feel that sometime in life. We've talked a lot about athletes, like what yeah, it yeah. must be like to be entering – the prime of your understanding a particular sport. You're in your mid thirties <laughs> and you've now it's like, you've got all these years of experience and your muscle memory is there and you understand at a great strategic level and you can take advantage of these young guys, but then your body betrays you yeah. right when you're ready to take over the world. And it's, it's sometimes yep. it's like last year you were great this year. You're just another guy next year. Yeah. You're out of the league and what, <laughs> how fucking brutal that must be at a very young age. Yeah, and even more so when you are that great at it. But if you're like a you know a Steve Jobs mm-hmm. and you've done these exceptional things, and now cancer is going to kill you. Yeah, or like the Godfather, you know, we see what a, a kind of an awesome specimen of a human being he is throughout the two Godfather movies, and then sure. uh, he doesn't have enough time to uh, win this war the way he wants to, and it's and that's not yeah. the way he wanted to with with Michael. Michael was the one, the dream that he yeah. had of of going legitimate and being a, a senator or mm-hmm. a judge or he didn't want he didn't want this to continue and yeah. then michael got caught in the same fucking trap he does yeah it's uh, it's sad it's sad all around but just things like it took me a couple times to watch godfather 2 to get like frankie pentagelo who's this kind of comic relief actor who's bumbling around uh, Michael's son's birthday party at the beginning, and he's trying to get the band to play, and they make fun of him playing the pop, pop that goes wheels, and he's going to Fredo as a back channel on Michael, and you think this is some goofy guy. Hmm. But then he gives this powerhouse speech about how he's back in New York, and he's trying to fight these other gangsters, but he can't because Michael won't let him because he needs to get this deal with this Jewish guy down in Florida, and you're like, what the fuck? Huh. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And then – but now I've seen it four or five times, and that shit all just hits. Yeah, yeah, like you know, kind of what a tragic character he is, and sure, um, I, it's this shit that goes down in Cuba starting to make 
sense because Godfather 2 hits you with a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Like a lot of plot and yeah. just like keep up. And, you know, when I saw it in my early 20s, after seeing Godfather, which is very accessible. Like you don't by, have to know. By comparison, yeah. You just and you just if you just sit and watch and let it weave its spell, you'll probably get everything. I feel like it's yeah, it's deceptively deep. But you keep uh, watching, like level. you said, you keep getting different. You, you do. You get older, yeah. and you keep you know coming. Into, now I'm a father, and like there's a lot of things hitting me a lot differently. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that you had to. I had to plow through a couple of times to really get all the layers of Godfather too, and I I think it is. It's weird because I don't know if it's a it's a it's pu- purely as watchable, mm-hmm. um, but it is so much more complex and richer than yeah, yeah. the first Godfather, which is again not taking anything away from that because it's plenty complex and rich. Yeah, itself. it's just different. Um, but there's just not as much fan service or like you know like hitting you with Luca Brazzi and hitting you with the horse in the head <laughs> scene and hitting you with sure. the murder of the Don. That stuff happens relatively early on in the film oh yeah, yeah it's like the wedding scene and then all which is interesting and then all this shit happens yeah uh where the godfather is a, a much slower burn godfather 2 godfather 2 and okay. the scene between like michael and and tom hagan where he explains like you know this is why i've been cutting you out this whole time but now uh, yeah, yeah. it's not because i didn't trust you it's not because i didn't use his brother it's and now i'm turning over the safety of my entire organization my family to you makes perfect sense beautiful Given the first movie where uh, he does take him out of the business, but you can see all along that Tom is the the cool headed, the level headed. He wants to bring one. Tom into the legit side. It's got the future, yeah, and he's trying to protect him from the criminal side to make that happen. And I would say that that's a case of retconning if if we didn't understand what kind of character Tom was in the, so thoroughly from the first one. So and then things kind of break bad between him and Tom at the towards the end of the movie, and it's just everything goes bad. Yeah, and it's maybe that's why I didn't like it as a younger man because Godfather felt like it it kind of builds up to a Walter White triumph. You got this terrible guy, but, but he, he he triumphs over even more terrible lesser men. So so bittersweet though, and and sure. that's something. That I don't know that you fully understand the first time you well, watch the it. The closing scene where you know you realize what he's done already. He's taking baby steps to murdering family members, and he yeah. lies to his wife, and that's it. That's and, over. Yeah. His, his Michael Corleone of the beginning of the movie dies. He he is uh, he he has become his father essentially at that point. I I mean I'm not saying that Vito has lied to his family. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but he's in the position that his father was. Uh, he's running this show, and he's doing things kind of the way he doesn't want to do them, right. but in the way that's necessary at this point. So now I think I'm – because I've never decided to do this, but I'm ready for the commentary for Godfather 2. I've never listened to that track and gone into behind the oh, scenes interesting. the way I've really delved into the Godfather. Yeah, I have So either. I'm really I'm, – I'm, I'm expecting that to really kick off my Godfather uh, – frenzy again i might i might take yeah. a weekend i don't have my kid and just like do a little godfather marathon for myself hmm. um anything else we want to talk about that before we talk about sailor moon crystal nope let's move on so i got roped into seeing sailor moon crystal because my girlfriend uh grew up in the era where sailor moon was big sure and she loved it and it's this is basically like 
you know, when we were excited as guy, young men that Star Wars is coming back, mm-hmm. you know, a complete new reimagining, whatever they reboot, uh, you know, they reboot Star Star Trek. You know, we're just inherently interested. That's how she feels about Sailor Moon. Okay, sure. And I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll watch it because that's how I got roped into True Blood, and it didn't turn out so badly. But then I read an article on Grantland by Emily Yoshida. Uh, they do a lot of this stuff where they talk about a subject, and this is a male-dominated site, Grantland. They take the subject sure, yeah. and they explain why you, as a beer-drinking, uh, sports-watching dude, should care about this thing. And they lay out, like, from a fan, this is why I care about it, and you kind of can get a little glimpse into the idea of what it's like to be a fan and why are you a fan of it, and they do little clips from YouTube. I read this article and I, I started to get kind of excited, you know, about like, you know, what the magical girl genre in Japan means and why this was such okay. a huge groundbreaking thing years ago and why women are into it. And like the, the juxtapositions between this very kind of overtly feminist agenda of empowering women. And in fact, most of the main super the most main heroes are women and a lot of the villains yeah. are women, too, mm. versus this very girly exterior too where you've got these young high-pitched girls in skimpy outfits and they're putting on makeup to transform into these warriors and they're yeah obsessed with boys and shopping and all this other stuff it's like that's okay is hard for me as ideas seem to be at odds right right um so crystal is something that is a hulu plus exclusive oh i do believe it's also available in other countries but united states if you want to get it legally it's a hulu plus and they've, uh, judging from the first episode, because I actually went and watched the original first episode as well, um, it seems like a shot-for-shot remake with, hmm. uh, I, I guess there was always a problem, because on the American, you got the American dub, and back in the 80s, 90s, they changed things. Like, there's a lesbian relationship between two of the sailor characters that they retconned in America as, like, their cousins. Because huh. you can't have a yeah, you yeah. can't gay people in a cartoon for Christ's sake. Sure. <laughs> um, and the fact that they're pitching it towards children rather than adults, they they kind of neutered some of the more adult themes. And it seems like this is being reimagined where some of that stuff is more streamlined and it's more like, okay, well, maybe kids watch this, but we're going to assume it's adult. There's no American dub. That, all... that makes sense. I mean, you know, the kids who grew up with it are now adults. Right. And it's all Good point. It's why, like, Transformers is so, it's like, you know, overtly violent and well, Transformers and dark is a giant depressing. pile of shit, but... Yes. That said, <laughs> I'm still going to go see the new one I have, at I've, some point. I have not seen one since number two. And number two completely number two turned me off. Number two was a shit show. It was 50 minutes of action at the end that was all bullshit. An offensive... Yeah, racial stereotypes yeah. and all sorts of shit. Yeah. Hey, man, I I was with you until I saw Optimus Prime riding a Dinobot in a trailer. Oh, and I'm see, like, that's how they get you. I know, and I'll probably suffer for it, but that was too cool not to check out. All right, I've derailed us, sorry. Um, but it's on Hulu Plus, and I've never... I used Hulu a couple years ago when it was like the only way to get SNL, and I thought okay. it was shitty. Like, the video quality was shitty. Uh, finding mm-hmm. stuff was hard. Uh, Hulu Plus... It's a, the video quality is really good. Okay, I'm paying for something that still feeds me commercials. Like you can see where the commercial break goes, and okay. they insert Bullshit. between 15 to 30 seconds of ad in each commercial break, and then at the end they also play between 30 to 90 seconds of commercials before you can go on to play like the next episode or whatever. But what stops you from going to the next tab? You can't. 
It's just I like, can close a tab in my browser whenever the fuck I want. Oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what caused you to avoid the stuff. Or, at the or are end. you watching it on some kind of interface that, like, on your PS3 or something? Uh, I watched it on my PS3. Okay, but I'm saying for your browser, you maybe you could open multiple tabs and maybe yeah, you yeah, escape yeah. that. I don't know. They do have the system where you can see the commercial breaks on the timeline. Yeah, yeah. And you can like skip around within that that section if you want to rewind without triggering an ad. Sure, but I've you can't that. like skip over it and avoid the ads. I don't. I don't think I didn't try too hard to break it, but okay. again, I was using the PS3 ad. But so you say that's bullshit. I, I have, yeah. It's basically I, a Netflix that you're paying for with ads. Well, it's cable. It is what it is. It's it's, and and I feel like that this is explicitly being aimed at cord cutters. You've got the internet. The, yeah. Okay. You've got HBO Go that you pirated off your parents. You got. Netflix, which you're actually but what you for. what you really want is to see current seasons of stuff. You don't want to wait till next that is season true. to see it. Instead of paying forty dollars for basic cable, you pay mm-hmm. eight ninety nine to Hulu, and you watch half or sometimes a third of the commercials that you'd want to watch. And they've got some other inter- innovative features too. Um, number one, the commercials have a countdown at the top to tell you like when it's going to resume. So it's like, hey, do I have enough time to piss? Do I have enough time to get a beer? Do I have enough time to grab sure. a bag of chips? Still um, not as good as YouTube's skip in four seconds or whatever. And at the end, well, some some uh, YouTube ads are unskippable, though. That's depending okay. on what level of content that they pay for. The other thing is they let you customize the ad experience. Yeah, yeah. Like after a show, it says, do you like to see ads that are more like this or more like this? And sometimes they're product-based mm. and sometimes okay. they're like... Do you like ads that are more quirky or do you like ads that are more information-based? And I thought that was interesting, too, that you can customize the content and you don't ever – I never got the experience like you get on YouTube a lot where you see the same fucking commercial over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. They that seem, wasn't true of Hulu a long time ago when it, I checked it out. You know, I watched – It would play the same one over and over. I watched roughly an hour and a half of Hulu content and did not see an ad repeated. Huh. Okay. I don't think I did. At least it wasn't. It wasn't something any more noticeable than television. Yeah. yeah. Um. I feel like I'm not talking a lot about Sailor Moon. Um. Here's the thing about Sailor yeah. Moon that I enjoyed. Other than it's kind of like if you like if you like the Voltron and Dragon Ball Z or or, or Power Rangers type shtick where there's like these long you know exquisitely animated power up sequences and fight scenes. Oh God. Um. Then you nope. probably like I've already that. checked out. It's also there's a lot of like funny stuff. It's intentionally kind of funny the way the the situations that the characters are in, and also sure. I found the Sailor Moon character less annoying when I realized that she's intentionally a fourteen year old girl. Oh sure, yeah. So like fourteen year old girls are annoying, and <laughs> you know lots of people point out the fact that she's being annoying. Um, but no, I definitely I'm I'm going to continue watching it with my girlfriend. How's the story? How's the the plot? Is I, it it's fuck I mean impenetrable? The, well, so like you know, it's, it's like just like I can fall down a hole on TV tropes or wikis uh, and get doing lords. Like that's what oh, yeah, Cecily yeah. is basically my wiki for this because I'll be like, who the fuck is that? And she'll like yeah, give yeah. me an answer. I'm like, well, and she's like this infinite answer generator. Um, but it's kind of crazy. Um, sure. I don't know how it's it's basically this girl is a former. Uh, moon goddess that's forgotten who she is somehow and is now living as a human on earth okay but she's really this part of this inter this well not intergalactic intersolar system police force that protects the earth and mm-hmm. sundry 
planets in the in the solar system from outside invaders and magical beings and sure. whatnot. But she doesn't understand any of these powers, and her mentor is this cat that she finds in the first episode, <laughs> and he's a big comic relief because he's kind of exasperated with her, uh-huh. and he's also kind of intelligent and funny, but he's also tra- he's, he's trapped in a cat body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she doesn't understand how to use her own powers, and that was one of the big bu- gut busters. The, her first transformation system, he's like basically repeat these words, and it goes in this elaborate her transformation to Sailor Moon, and she strikes this like battle pose, and then it's, it's, it's against this cosmic background, and then it flashes, and she's just standing in her bedroom. Yep. You right. know, in, yeah, in, yeah. in this battle pose, it's like the juxtaposition yeah. of like what it's like to what transform. people would actually see versus what it feels like to transform. Yeah, like right? later on, it's probably be, but it's like played for laughs. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's this awesome thing. But no, nope, you're still a 14 year old in your bedroom. You're yeah. not doing anything with these powers, and I that really tickled my fancy. Huh. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't. You know, this is basically for. God, I say basically way too much on podcasts for all the women that. Sailor Moon um, was a part of their life. Just letting you know. Yeah. There's new shit out there. It's got better animation. It's supposed to got a spiffier plot. It's all subtitled, so you got to be down with that. Yeah. But, um, Subs versus dubs, man. Those, those, those two have been button heads for 20 years, decades. I'm agnostic. I've seen yeah, – I, I, I used to hate anime. And then I had a niece that was into it, and she stayed with us for, like, a week. Yeah, yeah. And I fell in love with, like, Full Metal. I started ma- just making fun of it. Mm-hmm. But within a week, I was, like, really into the story of Full Metal Alchemist. Sure. And I started watching the dub, and then when I downloaded I accidentally got the subtitled version. Mm-hmm. And I found that, overall, it was slightly superior. Oh, okay. But there's other shows that I just can't imagine, like Dragon Ball Z... Ugh. It's terrible. How I can't can imagine be, anybody watching Dragon Ball Z. It, it, how can you be <laughs> passionate about whether you got dubbed or subtitles in that? And there's other sure. things like Princess Monokey and um, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, like mm-hmm. the big budget um, releases that the, the American yeah, dubs yeah. are fucking excellent. I've seen them both, and I don't know how you could – they both have their charms. Yeah. I, I was thoroughly impressed by Mononoke. Uh, I, was, I was the same boat as you. I hated anime until I saw Cowboy Bebop. And that mm. kind of changed my mind. Right. And then I watched Samurai Champloo. Samurai Champloo is fucking same awesome. Same people. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. So I've n- seen not both. this I... in the anime, just right. not into the you know girl power, 14-year-old no, stuff. No, that's the thing. It's like it's any... not my cup of tea. I get irritated when anyone says, I don't like this particular type of music. Because it's like... Someone does. Not only that, but there <laughs> is a country song that you will like. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's and like... probably Garth Brooks. <laughs> No, but I mean, you can't just condemn a genre and say it's trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's good stuff in almost everything, and even anime, who I, you know, uh, I still don't get the fandom. You know, that's the one thing, like, when we go to different cons and stuff, and people are, like, anime cosplaying, I'm like, ooh, that's a little too much for me. Okay. But I can't say that all anime is crap. I used to sure. say that. Yeah, yeah. Some anime is crap. <laughs> The, certainly some Many, anything is crap it's like if like if a japanese person say you know um, uh crime dramas are terrible well some crime dramas because are terrible, they've yeah. seen you know replays of csi and law and order and they, yeah. you know it's like okay well i can forgive you that opinion because you just haven't tried enough yeah, yeah. of it sure um so anyway that's my review of that i feel like we at some point need to have a larger conversation around hulu plus and advertising online and streaming stuff and because i'm i'm super interested in where that's going I feel like uh, and i'm really, super scared of where that's going to you're really anti it 
but I, I, I have I have a vision of where I would like all of this to go, sure. and it's not pirating and everything is free. I'm not in that camp. That's no, silly. You can't. It's, it's impossible. Stupid. People have to live for Christ's sake. Yeah, even even making podcasts, you know, yes, <laughs> you have to you have to put food in your mouth. Unless unfortunately, you, unless it's a pure hobby level, at yes. some point people got to get paid. And if you're okay with everything under the sun being produced at a hobby level, fine. But sure. you're going to get a lot of shit, and you're not going to get you <laughs> you're know, not going to you... get the epic. You're not going to get Lord of the Rings. You're not going to get uh, Game of Thrones. You're not going to get those types of shows. Yeah. So. I'm not in that camp, but I'm also not in the camp where I want the same model as basic cable sure. on the internet. I think that's fucked up. Right. So, so it was like, is there, we'll... you know, is there a patronage system? Is there? I think the thing is, there's so many ways to get paid, and at, yeah, yeah, like that's something we talk about on Bald Move. We want to structure this to where, um, a there's many we ways. can afford to live our lives. Yeah, a, a, so we can afford a, we to can keep pay ourselves. This. Yeah, yeah, but it's very important for us to be like. Eventually, I'd like to get to the thing where we have ads, mm-hmm. but you can also opt out of the ads at with certain other participation levels. Yeah, and that's the thing that I don't like about Hulu is that I'm not only paying, but I'm also being fed ads. But I it, and it, but we're in whereas this weird... Netflix has kind of acclimated all of us to. The idea of paying for a service without ads. Well, but I mean, that's you, listeners of all move could be forgiven to be annoyed. The fact that, you know, we have people that are paying to support us uh, mm-hmm. through subable um, or are using our Amazon uh, link and yet still have to sit through a hover ad because we we have sure. to work the technology and we're, we're working, working on, on some way to fix that. Yeah. Or you can if you have these other ways to support us, you can opt out of the ads if they annoy you. Um, yeah. yeah. But but I feel like that's they're kind of in the same boat where because of licensing technician or licensing technicalities mm-hmm. and the content producers' wishes and the cable companies' wishes and uh, the consumer demands they're just trying to figure things out. So I feel like Hulu doesn't make sense to anyone that's not a cord cutter. Why the hell would we pay for stuff sure. that we can just DVR? Yeah. And still have to sit through commercials. We can't zap through the commercials. Well, if you're a cord cutter, yeah. this is how I get. Uh, you know, you can, in many cases, watch stuff the same or maybe a day or two behind. But mm-hmm. you don't have to, like, Netflix. You can't see season two until season three drops. That bullshit. Unless it's an exclusive. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a definite delay that's kind of annoying on Netflix. I feel like, though, that Hulu is kind of pulling us backwards in a way where Netflix was pushing us forward. Because Netflix is making its own content. Certainly. Netflix can be, uh, you know, the network television of the internet without ads. But this was the interesting thing about Hulu is because this Sailor Moon stuff is original content. I mean, it's not technically, yeah, yeah. but they're the only ones that have the license to distribute it um, sure. in any kind of live fashion. Okay. Uh, and it comes out, you know, one a week. And it's weird. It's not the Netflix model where it's bingeable. It comes out once a week. I'm assuming it's timed for when it's airing in Japan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird one of these things where ten years from now we'll probably have all this figured out. Yeah, We've yeah. talked about it all the time. Like HBO, there is a metric. Yes, like a scale, a threshold. There's a yeah. golden scale in HBO's corporate office where the money they're getting <laughs> from those cable subscribers is balanced against how many people they could get to pay for HBO Go for nine ninety nine a month. Sure. The second that goes over fifty one percent, they're going to say fuck you to the yeah. cable companies. They're going to cut the cord. <laughs> they're going to cut the cord, right? Yeah. Which is ex- exciting time, but it's still a real thing. These companies and 
the frustrating thing is when these dinosaur companies uh, ensure the success of their business model through legislative fiat. That's what pisses me yeah, off. Yeah, there are a couple of avenues they take. That's certainly a huge one. And I'm not uh, saying and like stuff like digital rights management and things like that. I mean, there's some things you have to do to protect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not saying pot- free piracy for everything. But, but you're, you're talking about net neutrality almost specifically, right? And the other things like, you know, the, the, the way cable companies use de facto monopolies to right. cut out physical monopolies. Yeah. Yeah. Which are subsidized by the government and the people. Sure. To then to then net neutrality, charge people more. Net neutrality is a very complex it is. topic that I kind of speak out both sides of my mouth. Well, um, you can have a nuanced view of it. It's okay. You know? Uh, no, but the internet says I can't. Even as far as like a, <laughs> even as far as like a content creator perspective, I like what Netflix was doing, making their own content, kind of becoming the cable companies. That's the way. To not go. just feeding off of these old school people. And they, the, the companies that are really smart, like the AMC's, the HBOs, the yeah. Hulu's, they're saying we got to own this shit. We can't own the content, own the channel because it's it's it, we're it's going away from we're just carrying this shit the other people are making. Yeah. It, the internet because why would that. you? Yeah. The, the internet is everywhere. Right. We have to start producing this so we can still getting getting paid. AMC with the Walking Dead, HBO's yeah. been doing this since day 1. Yep. Um but and now Hulu I, and But Netflix I feel like Hulu it. is Amazon's hurting that it. model a little bit because like I'm willing to pay the fee, like make make Netflix fifteen bucks a month. Double the cost of it. I will still pay it if you can produce good content, get better, more recent stuff. Well what I, if I'll Hulu what if Hulu'd say we're gonna go Hulu Super Plus, it's mm-hmm. fifteen bucks a month, absolutely no ads. Sure. That's much better. In my opinion, I wonder. I don't like the model of being forced to watch things that you don't give a shit about. Wasting my time is much harder of a sell than having me pay some extra money. Yeah, I just wonder why they don't do that because there's a reason Netflix doesn't have everything under the sun. Sure, and it's because broadcast companies want to make to... their ad money. Yeah, and this is like Hulu's way of saying you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, we'll give you yeah. steady licensing, but we'll also recoup some of this on. Um, on commercials. I, I I don't know, man. I'm a lot more laid back about it than you are. You're very strongly opinionated. I'm idealistic about, about yeah, what what yeah. I want, certainly. Yeah, and I don't... I mean, at the end of the day, I can sit through a 30-second ad. I've been sitting through ads all my life. That's But that's not a good reason to say, let's continue ads. But it's also Just not because a good... you've been doing it doesn't mean you should continue to I do it. I also think it's a bad reason. I've been to... eating Taco Bell too much for the past 25 <laughs> years of my life. Doesn't mean I should keep doing it. I also think it's a bad reason to say, well, I'm not going to eat at Chipotle because it looks like Taco Bell. Certainly, yeah. So I'm saying like it's not a good reason to reject a service because it's using an older ad model. No, and I think it might actually have some sort of function as a transitionary device. And again, you know, yeah. Get the content the from, link. from these cable companies, show them the value of being online with, you know, with the ads, and then maybe later take away the ads if you can. Or, or introduce that super premium. I mean, like, I pay... A ridiculous amount for cable. Sure, it's, it's cable. upwards. It's around a hundred dollars for the HBO, the Showtime, and the basic. It's cable. like more, way more than that. I'm up to well, one forty. I'm not counting internet. Oh, okay, I'm taking okay. that out. Uh, so, if I could replace everything that I get on cable with a fee that's even half of that, fifty uh-huh. bucks a month. Sure, I'd gladly do it with no ads. Right. I shit. I might do it with ads if I could get everything up to the minute. Well, the other thing is like 
all these big cable companies can always respond by slashing their price. I gotta feel like that Comcast would still be making fat profits at half the oh, price yeah. they are now. Yeah. So is that the doomsday scenario? If Netflix and Hulu look like a threat, they're just like, well, fuck it. Free basic internet, only pay for premium. Cable, uh, you know, internet's, we're going to, you basically, for 50 bucks a month, you can get everything. And we'll throw in internet but, calling too. Shit, why not? But then are they going to cut Netflix and Hulu off? No, but, but I'm because saying. Because that doesn't help their cable service at I'm all. I'm saying that with their on-demand and their DVR people might say, why am I paying 15 bucks for Netflix? Why am I paying 15 bucks for Hulu? Why do I want to cut the cord when I can get one pipe that's got everything for cheaper than all these things together? Right now, that the, it's working in Netflix and HBO Go and, um, Hulu's favor because you can cut the cord, pay 20 to 30 to 40 bucks for internet and be at 60% of cable and get 90% of the content. Yeah. Well, Comcast pulls the switch and just says, Hey, we're going to offer this shit for 50, 60 bucks. The cord cutting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the consumer wins either way, right? The trouble is... People aren't cutting cord because they hate yeah, yeah. cable. They're cutting sure. cords because they're trying to save money in increasingly tight economies. Yeah, the the weird, the really weird thing is that cable companies are internet providers as well. And that just... The monkey wrench that that throws into everything. Because they have control of your access to Netflix, basically. They have monopolies across the country. Yeah, but the same thing happened to You co- can switch to DSL, but what the fuck are you going to do Sometimes with that? Sometimes you can't. But the Sometimes same, you the can, same yeah. things happened to the phone companies, which were de facto, which were monopolies. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when it used to cost a buck a minute to talk And you know distance. what? They broke those up. Well, and they because it was fucked. But new technology and new legislature were able to do that and bust it wide open. And now you've got effectively free long distance calling. Sure, yeah. uh, With cell phones, I haven't paid for long distance calls ever. And and if you do, if like you're in a corporate environment where we do need pot serve plain old telephone service, the per minute fees for long distance are pennies now. Sure. Um, So. People always, are when they're talking about net neutrality and how the internet, they're always like, oh, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Well, we'll look at the phone industry. There's a glimmer of hope there. Things don't have to get worse. Kind of. I mean, I'm still paying $10 per gigabyte on my but phone I'm not, you're, service. You're, you're, I'm still paying $0.20 cents per text message. You're, like, you're a guy in 1985 bitching about why it costs a dollar to talk to your brother-in-law in California or whatever. No, you're right. You're right. I mean— It's too new of a thing to yes. to actually say. So we uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like see. I feel like when I talk to people my age in this group and this kind of like relative level of informed, there's a lot of despair. I'm like, I don't yeah, know yeah. why, because it's just as likely that we're going to have a huge bounty as it is that we're just going to get progressively put in smaller and smaller boxes. Especially, I don't I don't know that that's true. I I think the problem here is the legislation and stuff like that. Because when you have forces with massive amounts of money actively working against the interests of the people uh, in general, that we don't have much of a way to compete with that when you have a monopoly of the physical sense like they do. Yeah, the Amer- American people are still powerful when we get pissed off. And and yeah. our fucking internet and cable TV is just the kind of thing we'll get pissed off enough about to make Sure, that's the change. shit we really care about, right? Seriously. Uh, shit's going down in Egypt, I don't give a shit about 80, that. 80,000 kids <laughs> on the U.S. border, homeless and abandoned. Yeah. Eh, but you know, I gotta have Breaking Bad, man. I, I gotta have it. It's sad but true. <laughs> it's the one, you know. It's not a special. It's a. It's something that is increasingly affecting us all. Yeah. Um. So, eh, we'll see. Do we have any other shows to talk about? 
we got a lot to talk about next week with the bridge and masters of sex coming or uh, the strain and masters of sex premiering catching up on halt and catch fire well yeah we'll have um, we'd be caught up on that and we'll talk about that yeah um but no not right now all right well then uh why don't we do a little pimp and get out of here yeah speaking of uh, getting the bills paid and antiquated methods uh we're kind of exclusively on the patronage and people helping us out because um, it's hard for two guys to, to get ads consistently. And sure. if you'd like to help uh, produce these co- these podcasts, if you find what we do interesting and informative, please go to subbable.com slash bald move and check it out. Um, there is a way to give us one-time or ongoing contributions towards producing our content, and you don't get nothing for it. Number one, you get our podcast, which everybody does. But number two, there's some cool perk and reward levels where you can get some bald move uh, mer- memorabilia and merchandise and exclusive content opportunities. Check that out. Uh, you can also shop on Amazon to help us out by using our amazon.baldmove.com link. It's super easy. It takes you to Amazon, and everything you buy on that session, we get a tiny cut of, and it costs you nothing directly um, or even indirectly. Just for whatever reason, Amazon lets us have money because you use our link. I don't know why. I, yeah, I, it's crazy. Um, we, we we live in fear that one day Jeff Bezos will <laughs> will wake up and be like, the fuck am I giving all this money to podcasters for? Yeah, Shut yeah. it off. Wean them uh, off that teat. There is an interesting model. I'm or start... worse, they'll give it to kids that have cancer, or AIDS research, or something to benefit humanity <laughs> instead of podcast generation. <laughs> what will we do then? I don't know. Go under, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you could. I wonder if you could build a television network where you're supported entirely by Amazon sales. So when I sign up for this, Ooh. in order to play my videos, I have to install like a browser extension or something that automatically redirects amazon.com to their link and they get a cut that's expressly forbidden under amazon's terms because remember we actually thought about doing that even as a willfully installed browser extension you can't do it because again this is ostensibly advertising amazon if it's a browser extension that just does it automatically you're no longer you're no longer driving traffic to them it's like a captured thing so, mm-hmm. but it's expressed because we thought about that. It's like, you know, it's not something skullduggery. It's like, hey, if you want to support Bald Move, click on this. It's, it solves yeah. a browser extension, automatically does. And it's like, that'd be sweet because people wouldn't have to remember. Sure. You know, they wouldn't have to always wonder, like, is this thing working? Turns out Amazon says you can't do that. Okay. So, uh, anyway, other thing is rate and review us on iTunes for all of our various podcasts. Uh, that helps us grow the network and grow our audience. And uh, telling friends and family, I'm always amazed when we start talking um, with people that do support us, uh, how many of these people are like friends and family? Like when we uh, are emailing people or we're talking to them on the phone because of different word level and they're like, yeah, my brother or my sister turned Word of mouth is super huge and important and yeah, it helps yeah. out a lot. And if nothing else, thank you so much for, for listening and continuing to enjoy our podcast and all the things that everyone does, free or not free, monetary or not to support us. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, that's it. Uh, uh, if you want to kind of discuss some of the topics, we're going to have a thread uh, for this episode on Facebook.com slash move. You can get the gym live on Twitter at BaldMove. Uh, and you can also send stuff into TV at BaldMove.com. But this is... I didn't have any feedback this week? Yeah, I don't I don't know. First of all, i got to check and make sure that's hooked up. Oh, boy. Second of all, i got to make sure... I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't know that this is the type of podcast that people like send long-form takes into. Sure, we do a very surface-level discussion of any of these shows uh, on this one. Hopefully, so. we'll get uh, synced up on some of them that we can have a little bit more meatier discussions. Yeah, 
Definitely. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. And until next week, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron.